But no, I think it is. It's it's teaching, right? Like it's taking life moments and being able to like a lot of times I look at myself like my role is is just to be the mirror, right? Mm. I have guys give me their hopes, their dreams, what they say they want to do and what they want to become. And then I, I have the privilege of walking alongside them and holding up the mirror and saying like, is this still what you say you want to do? What makes the journey worth it? The pain, the adversity, the opposition, the challenges, the uncertainty. Why do I have to go through this? What's the lesson in this? I got a paralyzed right arm and hand. The million dollar question I get every single day is you wouldn't change what happened to you, why? Serendipity, join us for insightful dialogues about not just successes, but about failures, opposition, adversities that shape and mold the individuals to who they are today. I'm Inky Johnson. This is Serendipity. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Serendipity with Inky Johnson. Uh, today's guest, Duke Preston. You know, he's a father. He's newly engaged. He's a former NFL player. He's a graduate of Dallas Seminary. Most importantly, he's a Super Bowl champion, but also he's director of player engagement with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a friend of mine. I can't wait for you guys to hear his perspective and his insight. Let's get into it. Duke, how you doing, man? Nick, what's good, man? Man, I can't call it. I want to say uh, first and foremost, man, thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be on here, man. Blessings. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I had to start it all. It's only right. How does it feel to be a Super Bowl champion, man? <laughs> no, nah, man, it's uh, it's wild. I mean, I, I had my own five-year uh, career out there banging heads. And then no uh, this last season was was six years with the Bucks, And in those 11 years, I, I had only been to the playoffs twice, right? Mm. Um, and that was the second time. So, you know, I, I missed the first two rounds of the playoffs because I was I, I was sick with COVID, made it the whole season. And then you get there and then you see uh, – you see the dream become a reality, man, and it's it's pretty wild. So, but it was it was amazing to where you you get to realize a dream and you get to see it come full circle in a lot of ways. Um, but then in the midst of it, kind of find some new perspective and and my heart and mind challenged a little bit. Uh, but make no mistake, man, the confetti falling, have my kids there, my girl there, my parents there was uh, was all time, man. It was pretty wild. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, Duke, you know you were drafted in the fourth round to the Buffalo Bills. You went on, you had your own NFL career, and now you're working with NFL players, you know, daily. Did you know yeah. when you were a player that you were going to transition into this role, or were you even thinking about it at that point? Or was it just all focused on you and playing ball, and this just kind of happened? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, like, for me, ball had, had always been a, a conduit to life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like it had always been uh, my classroom for life, where I had – God, I think, blessed me with a with a sound ability to see perspectives as a even as a kid, where I could see life lessons taking place on a little league field when I was nine, ten, and eleven years old. Right. So, um, as, as I was playing ball and I got to the pros, you know, my dad had played nine years, and so I saw what his life looked like up close and personal on the back end. And so I went into my career kind of eyes wide open, going, "All right, well, how how how." How well do I think I can make this thing pop for myself, number one? But then number two, like I just kept looking around at my peers and seeing the pitfalls that they were falling into and the things that they were doing that I knew was going to shortcut their longevity as a ball player, but then also set them up for failure in uh, in the rest of their life. So as I was playing, I just remember almost like 
grieving for certain guys as I watched them kind of step into uh, into puddles that became floods and thinking like, man, there's got to be a way to be able to help more people. And I, that was my favorite part of playing too, right? I love the locker room. I love the camaraderie of it. Um, and to where, you know, the NFL, you get to be your own little private uh, entity. And I, I hated that side of it. You know what I mean? Mm. So me to be, to find something that I was passionate about that God had given me as, as a, a problem to fix in my second career is kind of how I, you know, side-eyed this, this next lane that, that God put me in, you know? No, that's that's beautiful, man. I was um I was reading this morning. I want to ask you a question about the areas that you focus on and more so why you chose to focus on these areas. And so you got career development, career transition assistance, continuing education, player assistance services. Was that something that you wanted to craft out and work on specifically or was that just something that came with the role or were these things that you said, man, these are the five things that I think we need to really focus on to help these guys transition or maximize their opportunities while they're current players in the NFL. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's the, the nice thing about player engagement is that there's a there's a playbook from the league, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, player engagement at the NFL does a great job of kind of setting a a, 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 a platform or, or a paradigm, so to speak, uh, for what we can fit into. But then they give us a lot of freedom at the club level to do what it is that we feel like our locker room needs. And so uh while, while those areas are critical, like I've always just tried to address the guy's hearts, right? Because at the middle of all that is, is a man. And it's a man who uh, has has hopes and aspirations, but it's a man who also has probably 21, 22 years of life uh, before they get to me, where uh, to, to be able to, to dive into who they are and what makes them them, where they find their own identity, their own value, their own self-worth, and then uh, – try to scaffold that and maybe challenge it in some areas to give them the best opportunity to become the best pros that they can, but mm. then also look at uh, life beyond the game, I think is where, where we kind of kick it off. Yeah. That's, that's interesting, man. And it made me think about something, right? Like Duke, like me and you have been in the same room several times. You brought me down to the bucks to speak, which I'm forever grateful for, but just working with younger guys, right. in the role that you're in. And I always tell people when I became a father, it made me a better communicator, right? It made me a better husband, right? It made me a better friend. And so with you being a father with your own children and the perspective that you have in shaping and molding and working with your own children every single day, trying to cultivate certain habits and then going into a building and also working with guys in a pretty much similar capacity. Yeah, they're a lot older, but does your role and journey in fatherhood kind of help and assist you with your role and capacity with helping these men pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. No, sometimes, sometimes I feel bad for my kids, especially my boys when I come home. Cause you know, there's times where with my ball players, I'm, I could, I can get, I get frustrated because you know, I can see it. We've had the conversation. I've tried to kind of walk through some things with them and show them a different way. And then I just see them keep making the same mistakes. So then I come home with my boys and I'm like, man, y'all are not about to be the same kind of knuckleheads that I'm dealing with over (laughs) here. You know, so I, I go ham on, on my own little boys. But no, I think it is. It's it's teaching, right? Like it's taking life moments and being able to like a lot of times I look at myself like my role is, is just to be the mirror. Right. Mm. I have guys give me their hopes, their dreams, what they say they want to do and what they want to become. And then I, I have the privilege of walking alongside them and holding up the mirror and saying, like, is this still what you say you want to do? You know, wow. um, and, and I think a lot of times just having the. I don't know, hopefully the heart and the love for them to be honest with them and knowing and them knowing that it comes from a position of I care about them. I don't want anything for myself. I don't want anything from them. Mm. Um, 
And I think that puts me in, in somewhat of a rarefied space with professional athletes where everybody wants something from them. Mm. I don't. I want I want to want a Christmas card when they're 40 and they got three kids around them and, you know, they're into the next phase of their lives. That's what I want. Right. Mm. Uh, so so, you know, for me, it is finding those teachable moments and in, in looking for inroads to say, like, look, man, uh, have you considered trying this? Right. Because this is what I see and this is going to lead here. But if you add this to it or if you change this about it, uh, it's going to serve you well in the long run. Yeah, man, that's that's beautiful. Duke, so I wanted to ask you, when you first came into your role, right, to the man that you are now with the experiences that you have, I'm sure probably the mission, the perspective, and the, and the, and the purpose changed, right? Because you're a different man now than you were right. when you first started. And so what's some things when you look back to when you first started in your role of player engagement and working with the guys to now the guy that you are, what's some things when you look back to when you first started, you were like, man... I did that, but if I could have went and did this a lot different, I probably would have knowing what I know now and the experience that I have working with the guys. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great question. I think um, the the thing that, because even my my coordinator is a guy, Justice Jones, who uh, he asked me a similar question, like, what have, you know, what what's changed about you? And in some respect, um, I think when I think about that, where I'm, where I'm most fulfilled is that my heart for the guys as men in the locker room hasn't changed right mm-hmm. like like they wanted now um i love these guys I, I i hurt with them when they hurt when they get cut or they get released um, i mean i'll be sitting around i'll be getting ready put my shoes on and, I, and a guy's name will pop in my head and i'll just mm-hmm. shoot him a text i've been with the bucks for three years but i say like something about uh, the heart for ministry and service that God has given me still persists and keeps me excited about being with the guys in the locker room. But I think that maybe the thing that's changed, um, you know, might've even happened this year, right? We're like mm. chasing a goal, chasing, chasing the success of playing. Um, you know, I feel like, I feel like taking it in essence, a little bit of a spiritual uh, twist, like, you know, the pursuit of that goal was so high that I was, I think I was so much invested in, uh, in the task. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think at times when we get so invested in the task that God has put before us, like make no mistake, I don't think that it's a wrong, um, uh, pursuit to go pursue a championship. If God puts you in the NFL, go be the best, go be a champion. Right. Yeah. But, but the pursuit of the task, I think should come secondary to experiencing his presence in the midst of pursuing the task. And that's what I think changed the most for me this year, um, you know, and, and leading the players Bible study, man, like we went through God's promises going into the playoffs and it started with, you know, uh, Isaiah, uh, what 40, 41, where God talks about, he'll be with you. He'll help you. He'll uphold you with his righteous right hand. Mm. And then we went there and we went to, to Moses. And when Moses got called out of the bush, he was afraid of the task. He didn't know that he could go and talk. Mm. Right. Uh, but then God said, look, I'll be with you. And so he said his presence would go with him to accomplish the task. And that's what Moses was was grinding on and thinking about was the task that he was ill-equipped for. Mm. But then all of a sudden, you fast forward to Exodus 33, when the task is completed and the people are grumbling and doing everything else. And God's like, look, just get out of here. Leave. Like, I don't, mm. I'm, I'm done with you. all If I stay with you, I'm, I'm going to kill you all. Right. Uh, and Moses says, look, I'm not moving out of here. I'm not leaving. Uh, unless you go with me, right? So that Moses learned in his time that God's presence was the prize. And so I think that's the thing that that has probably transformed or shaped in me over the time is like, yes, the, the Super Bowl champion, championship is amazing and it's what, you know, we ought to rightly pursue. But if we don't pursue it, 
uh, still seeing his presence on the way, I think we missed the prize in the end. You know what I mean? Man, that's strong. <laughs> that's strong, man. <laughs> so, Duke, tell me this, man. What was probably the most challenging, if you view it that way, last year having to win in the midst of COVID, in the midst of quarantine, in the midst of a pandemic? Because I'm sure it was a lot of challenges, right? You got guys, you got their families, you got people contracting COVID, you contracted COVID, but also right. y'all have this process that every single day you're trying to lock into and get things done. You couldn't practice the way you guys used to practice, right? You missed a lot of time. And so you working with the young men every single day, trying to keep them on task, trying to keep them focused on the big picture, right? What were some of the right. challenges that you feel that you guys faced or you faced personally just in your capacity and your role? Yeah, like the uh, I think the biggest challenge was just being able to wrap your arms around guys, right? Like like it's the distance thing is terrible for for people in my world. Like I want to be able to touch guys and hug guys and and be in the same space, you know, having lunch and breaking bread, and then you're doing it with a mask and trying to you know be uh, transparent and authentic with these guys, and it just feels stale, right? Like that. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably the hardest thing. But then you know, for the guys, I think it was we we had you know one of the things I talk about with our guys is. The, the kind of foundational keys or tools with building a championship caliber culture or locker room. And, you know, one of them is just having a why that transcends circumstances. Um, you know, the second one is, is just having this expectant belief that you're going to get it done. And the third one is just having discipline, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, the heart, mind and body of, of achieving things. And so the discipline piece that really we put on, on display uh, as, as guys really made the commitment, you know, I mean, even out of practice, wearing your mask, something as simple as that, that just takes discipline. That's boring. That's the hard work. And, uh, and I think it really helped our guys lock into, you know, setting aside the distractions. It was about ball, um, you know, shoot 12 does an amazing job of making it about winning football instead of just playing good enough to keep your job football, which is, you know, the biggest trap in the league. Um, but those challenges I think were created for us the ability to to grow as a team and move past that and get to where we wanted to go, you know? Yeah, that's that's strong. As you mentioned 12, you know, obviously Tom Brady, and you said he he mentioned like, you know, about playing winning football and not just yeah. playing good enough to keep your job football. You know, how did his spirit, you know, affect that building, affect the team? Because I know like you look at Tom Brady, he's one of the greatest, you know, to ever do it, if not the greatest. You know, and so watching mm-hmm. him compete, watching how he goes about his business, watching his passion. And I was seeing one of the guys that sent out that Tom, I guess, sent a text or a message to the team and was like, after y'all lost, guys, I'm glad we got that out of the way. That's probably going to be the last one we're going to lose. Now let's get down to business and make it happen. Yeah. How was his spirit and how is his spirit just being in the building and how he goes about, you know, his business? I saw you and him sharing a hug, man, after the Super Bowl. <laughs> which is pretty yeah. dope. Yeah. So how, yeah. how is that, man? No, man. I mean, so um, one of the things that, that uh, he brings is uh, this, and again, it's something that I, I think the cool thing is when you find people that are elite at what they do and they bring the same kind of things that you've been preaching or talking about with the guys mm. in a, in a, in a manifest way, right. Where like expectant belief is, is one of the keys that I talk about with guys all the time. Right. And, and where and my, my best example of that is like, remember when Steph Curry first came on and like he's taking shots from all over the place, midcourt, whatever. And people are going, oh, what is he doing now? Right. When Steph Curry puts up a shot, what do you think? 
yeah, it's going in. Absolutely. You don't even, yeah. Like you expect it to go in, right? So there's a different mindset. In fact, psychologically, uh, it's something called confirmation bias. When you're looking for positive outcomes and they happen, it actually entrenches your belief in a deeper way than it would if you just kind of watched it uh, neutrally and let it happen in front of your eyes. And Tom has that, right? Like mm. Tom knows that he's going to win. Uh, he's, you know, the first time he and I got to sit down and talk, he talked about competitive stamina mm. and just how like, he never stops wanting to compete. So, you know, we'd go out there uh, and I used to, I'd catch balls, this big old fat old lineman, uh, <laughs> catch Whatever. You like, athletic got, though, Duke. You athletic, yeah, I, man. No, no, don't, don't get it twisted. I can still. Get it, but, you know, I dislocated one of my fingers. You know, oh uh, jammed the other. But I'm out there competing, right? And yeah. then when you're out with when you're when you're with him, um, man, you don't you don't drop balls. Like it's mm. just it's just what it is. Like, uh, and you know, Antoine Randall is on our little catching core, and you know, he's a Super Bowl champion, former wide receiver. And whenever I'd have a day where I wouldn't have a drop and he would have one, like I just kind of mark it on my wall. Like <laughs> I beat hell today. No, but I think Tom, uh, you know, Tom had that expectant belief where you know he infused it into the group as a whole, where like mm. it, you know. Accountability of the little things mattered. Uh, the discipline of the daily work mattered. You know, he's he's obviously a student of the game and does all that, knows the matchups, knows how to put guys in positions to win. But but I think he just really put us over the top in the category of belief. You know, you talk about um, we came back from uh, where was it? Um, we came back from uh, Lambeau mm. and, uh, and I talked to him on the tarmac, you know, after we got off the plane and we were talking about something else. And then I said, man, I said, Tom, can you be like this is what it was. It was his 11th Super Bowl. Mm. No. What was it? What number Super Bowl was it? But Tom, like just being there or winning. Yeah. Just being Be getting there? to the game. Yeah. It was 11, oh, right? I think it was or 10, 10, Super Bowls, 10 right? or 11, one of them. Yeah. And, and I said, I said, can you believe that man? Like that many, that's insane. You know? And he was like, yeah, man, no, it's, it's wild, man. And then uh, he was like, listen, like when you, when you get this far in the playoffs, you want to lose any round, but this one. Right. Like, wow. like you can, you can, you can, you can stomach a divisional loss. You can stomach even a, a AFC NFC championship loss, but you do not want to lose in the Super Bowl. And I was like, mm -hmm. man, I bet he goes, well, don't worry. It ain't going to happen. You know what <laughs> I mean? So like, it's just that, it's just that, that it's in him, right? yeah. and, and that little conversation, like it, it, it matters. So I think Ooh. that stuff like that is amazing. That's powerful. Expectant belief, confirmation bias, competitive stamina. That's powerful, yeah. man. This mindset, yeah. right? This mindset, of course, yeah. You got the process and the work, but the mindset, right, of believing that it's going to happen is something that permeates, I think, in every aspect of life that everybody can learn from. But you guys had like a, you, you got a talented group of guys. And Duke, you've been able to watch different staffs come through that door. Just being a part of, you know, Coach Bruce Arian's staff. Like I went up to the New York Jets and spoke when Todd Bowles was there. Right. And it was a great yeah. experience and I got to meet him. But how has it been, man, just being a part of B.A. staff, man, and watching these guys do what they do? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's a staff where um, they let guys play. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and they put them in they put them in the best position to go and be successful. Right. Like some I think in some coaching philosophies, it's like, look, this is what we do. We're going to find guys that fit into what we do. Mm -hmm. But then there's another coaching philosophy that says this is what our guys do well. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's go put them in those 
emotions to be their best selves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what I found in our coaching staff. Um, you know, I think one of the one of the two keys that I always look for in elite people or elite professionals is you know humility and being hungry, right? Like mm-hmm. being unsatisfied in a, in the, in the right way, almost like a holy discontentment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having a humility to be able to change things up when you need to. And you look at like Todd and what, what we did, I mean, us losing those three out of four games in week, whatever it was like, uh, uh, eight to 12, right. Mm-hmm. Where we dropped three out of four lot, got, I got the, the breaks beat off us by the saints mm-hmm. lost to the chiefs in a tight one lost to the Rams in a tight one. Um, it, that was the best thing that could have happened to us because the adversity actually worked for our good when it mattered, right? Um, wow. You know, hold up, Duke. I got to stop your idea, and I don't even cut people off. But you said that was probably the best thing that could have happened because the right. adversity ended up working to you guys good. Yeah, oh, when it matters, break yeah. that down yeah. when it matters. Go ahead, man. Yeah, no, I mean, so that's where I think like you go back to competitive stamina, you go back to, you know, having a transcendent why, right? Like something that drives you beyond what your circumstances look like in a football context. I'll say it like this, our transcendent why was winning a Super Bowl, right? Wow. So even like, and I thought about this, we, we beat the, we beat the Packers week five or six early in the season or whatever it was. And Aaron Rodgers after the game, like he wasn't, you know, pouting and kicking rocks. He was like, all right, you, you got this one, but we're going to see you again. Right. Yeah. And and having a team that hadn't been to the playoffs, you don't really realize that like all that stuff. I mean, the, what the saints beat us twice and then we go out and win when it matters. Right. Absolutely. Um, but the, the losses and the, the hard times, the adversity, mm. most people, when it comes knocking, shoot, they're looking for the way out. Right. They're looking for, uh, you know, a way of escape and even shoot biblically speaking. Right. The Bible talks about, you know, uh, no temptation that's overtaking you that, that that's not common to man, but God is faithful to give you a way of escape. Yes, and so sir. people love to read that verse. People love to read that verse about escaping, though. Mm. But he's but says, but that you can bear up underneath it, right? To be patient and wait and let the adversity have its perfect work in you, right? So mm. for us to lose those games and to be exposed in the ways that we were exposed, you know, Todd did an amazing job of going back to the drawing board, saying, "All right, this is what we did well. This is what." we got to change. We can keep beating our head against the wall, but we're going to get the same result. So let's change it up. Let's see if we can handle this. Let's challenge the guys to play more man, get up, get up on guys' toes and uh, play physical football. And it ended up, you know, paying dividends in the end, like I said. And that's powerful, man. Like even when, when I think about all that you said, like a, a person has to have the perspective to even view it that way and process it that way. And so, as you know, Duke, right now, current climate of the world, man, a lot of people going through tough times, challenges, you know, people are dealing with uncertainty, adversity, opposition, things that they couldn't warrant, right? And so last year, watching how you guys got through what you got through, having that transcending why, and also winning the Super Bowl. But I always tell people, it's one thing to win, it's another thing to win in the midst of adversity. And so Mm -hmm. what are some words that you would give to just people in the world right now, man, that are fighting, scrapping, you know, and trying to make it through this time of adversity and opposition and uncertainty? Yeah, no, I, I think for me, man, you know, it's, it goes back to what you asked, what changed um, in me, you know, I, I think perspective and and purpose, right, where where the purpose of one's life, if, if look, if winning and championships is, is all that really matters, um, you're going to be sorely disappointed, right? Because I mean, like, like I said, 11, 11 years of being around the league, only two trips to the Super Bowl or two, two trips to the playoffs, period, right? Wow. Um, and I, and I think I think for some people they they what they want isn't necessarily bad, but 
but it's not what God has for them in the season of life that they're in, right? And so mm-hmm. this, this this long range uh, look at life, where where you're at, where you're at now, there's a purpose and a reason and a lesson to be learned. So the, the less the less that we uh, kick rocks and want what we want, but more open to being taught and seeing where where our hearts or our character or our lives need to be reproved and changed. Um, I think the more satisfaction that we have in life, like my, my, my why and my, my mission in life is to be a conduit of truth and a servant of servant of men. Right. That's all I want to do. So whether I'm working in the NFL or college or a high school here locally in Tampa, um, or even just at home with my kids, right? Like that's all I exist to go do. Mm. So then while circumstances still bother me and I go through adversity and I have tough things that have come into my life, um, I feel like there's a there's a satisfaction that can be had just in knowing my purpose and that it exists uh, for more than just gathering toys and trinkets and, and uh, you know, adding to what my own personal empire and what I want. So, you know, I know that with the struggle and things that are hard for people, I think sitting down and just being reflective of being like, man, who am I? Where am I going? Why am I here? And answering some of those big life questions puts us on a path to maybe uh, inch our way out of it step by step. Mm. Man, that's powerful, Duke. So is there is there a quote, is there a mantra that you live by? What do you do when you go through hard times, Duke? What do you say to yourself? Is there a certain level of self-talk that you reaffirm yourself with? Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I can't I can't duck uh my my worldview. And the way I see the world is that, you know. Look, I didn't do anything to deserve my life, right? Mm. Uh, I was born to the parents I was born to. I was born the year I was born. I was born in San Diego for a reason. Uh, God made me six foot five and 300 pounds and athletic enough to play in the NFL for a reason. Mm. And so I just feel like my life is not my own. Mm. So when, when things when things happen or, or life hits me, I remind myself that I'm a son of the Most High King and that, that, that I know whose I am, right? Like, like I... You know, honestly, I spent I spent the first probably three years of my NFL career dealing with fear, right? Fear of failure, stupid and uh, getting beat. Right. Like so I I would go out there just to not get beat as opposed to go impose my will Mm. and, and win. And so towards the end of my career, I got I got into the habit of I would look across at the guy that I was playing against and I would repeat to myself that I know whose I am. Right. Not mm. not that I'm who I am, but I know whose I am. Right. And so if God is who he says he is and he's and he does what he what he says he does. Um, shoot, I read something today. It said like faith. Faith is is trusting in the integrity of God, that he he has a purpose for all of us and he has a reason for us to exist. And so. If, if he doesn't fail and he's not done with me yet, whatever whatever hard things come come my way or whatever uh, trials and tribulations I go through, I know that he's he's got me right. Like mm. he doesn't and he carries us through um, and we get to the other side and we go, wow, like I can't believe, you know, he, he loves me like this. and I can't believe he would carry me through what he's what he's taking me through. Powerful, man. You guys heard it here first. My friend, Duke Preston, man, we can't thank you enough for your insight, for your wisdom, for your truths. Man, thank you so much for this time, Duke. I greatly appreciate it as I take us out. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, Mickey.